the ultimate shift is about helping us find the truth to ourselves through vulnerability, through the truth, instead of lying to ourselves and living this life by default rather than design. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Hey guys, and welcome to The Ultimate Shift. My name is Ephraim Glick, and I will be the host of this show. This is kind of an introductory episode, if you will. I'm just going to give you a little bit of insight on why I want to do the show and a little bit about my backstory so that you have an idea what you're getting into. So I guess I'll just start with me. I am 35 years old. I grew up on an Amish dairy farm. I was born in Pennsylvania in Lancaster. And my dad moved to Kentucky when I was nine years old, I believe. He um, wanted to buy some land and it was just, my uncle had moved down to Kentucky and there was more land available there. So he ended up buying 200 acres in Kentucky and we built a house and a barn and everything and started our life there. And honestly, that's where a lot of my childhood memories are in Kentucky. I remember some in Pennsylvania, obviously too, but mostly in Kentucky because we had built this pond and all kinds of stuff on the farm that I could roam the fields with my dog and had a lot more land to play with. So come from a family of, there's 10 of us kids, five boys and five girls. My dad was just one of the hardest working people I know to this day, as well as my mom. She made all of our clothes from scratch. She made the quilts on the bed. Everything that was pretty much made with fabric, she made. And she cooked all three meals a day. We sat together as a family three times a day, and she had a big garden that we raised the, uh, I guess, grew rather, the plants and food and stuff. So, I mean, we were very independent, I guess, in comparison to today's world of, of surviving. We had a bunch of cows and horses, and we were always big into horses, our whole family, but... Yeah, my life as a nine-year-old, you know, I was getting up at usually 4.30 in the morning. We started the chores. We were taught to work hard, and we went to school, went to a one-room schoolhouse. So there was uh, probably 30 or 40 kids in the school at any given time from first through eighth grade. And even at that time, at nine years old, I I just knew I kind of wanted something more. I couldn't figure out why... The world was living differently than we were. And in the same sense, and at the same time, you don't really know anything different than your own reality. But my questions were just, you know, why can't we drive a truck? Because we would be going down the road in a horse and buggy and the vehicles would be passing us by and going a whole lot faster. And so that was just a question. I remember asking my mom all these questions and she just laughs about it now and says, you know, I was... Just one question after the other. I was never satisfied with the answers. I wanted the real why behind versus just, well, that's just the way it's always been. So that's kind of what started my curiosity. And I started 
just asking all the questions of why we couldn't do this or that. And I started feeling like a bird in a cage. I wasn't miserable or unhappy. I had a great childhood. You know, I don't know what it would be like to be hungry. We always had food on the table. We always had clothes to wear. We worked our butts off. But we also played. I mean, I, I've spent a lot of time fishing, roaming the woods, like I said, with my dog, my siblings. But there was just something that I knew I had to figure out. And I wasn't sure what it was and where it was. All I knew is I didn't like the way people looked at me as if I was a zoo animal when I was anywhere with my mom in public or anywhere else. And so I didn't want to be different. I wanted to be the same as everyone else. I wanted to basically blend in to where I could live my life without being gawked at, if you will. At nine years old, I started planning a way out. And I couldn't tell my parents, I couldn't tell anyone, because it would just get me in trouble. So I just silently, I just started planning my days out. I remember at 13 years old, we had a uh, a phone booth that was at the end of our parents' driveway because we didn't have any electricity, no cell phones, no phone in the house, but we could have a phone in a little booth, what people would think maybe looked like an outhouse at the end of the driveway, about 200 feet from the house. So I remember going out there one evening and I called our neighbor who used to drive us to school earlier. I was out of school by this age, I was 13, going on 14 probably. And I said, can you take me into town? And he said, well, where are you going to go? And I said, I'm not sure. And he said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go work at Tractor's Plant. He said, wait, what What are you talking about? And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to leave. I need you to take me to town. We lived in a small farm, but the town that was the closest to my dad's land was maybe four miles away and didn't even have as much as a stoplight. And so I was trying to go about 15, 20 miles away to the next bigger town. And he said, it doesn't work that way. And I said, I can make it. And again, I'm 13, 14 years old. And the only store I really knew most about was Tractor Supply Company because my dad would go there a lot. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go there and get a job. And I'm going to find myself a place to live. And I'm going to make, you know, make a living. And this is how little you knew about the outside world. I knew absolutely nothing about it. He said, you can't do that, Ephraim. He said, I'm not going to take you for one. Two, you can't do that. The world doesn't work that way. And so that was my first major disappointment when I realized it's just not going to happen that way. So I asked him to keep his mouth shut about it and not to tell my parents or anyone. Anyway, so years went on and I just kept thinking of a way out and trying to live the best life I could. But I just was always wanting more. I was always wanting to get that vehicle, to drive that truck, to do things that other people could do. But I was very naive about the world. I mean, you're very sheltered in that life. So fast forward a bit. I turned 16. I moved to Pennsylvania where my brother was living, and I got a job up there. And fast forward another two years, we came to Kentucky. My dad was buying and selling horses and showing some horses. And he was in Lexington, Kentucky at the sale. And so me and my brother came down to join him from Pennsylvania. And while we were there, at this time, I had bought a cell phone. I wasn't living with my parents, so they couldn't take it from me because they had taken every one of the radios or the cell phones I would try to buy as a kid. And um, I just remember walking outside 
of a barn at the sales stable in Lexington, Kentucky on that July day. And I remembered thinking, I don't want to go back to Pennsylvania. I hated it up there. I didn't like the cold weather. I missed the South, but I didn't want to be at in Kentucky either because I felt so trapped there and I had a little more liberties in Pennsylvania than I did in Kentucky. And I had just turned 18. And so I was like, I can do this, but this is my one shot. If I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. And I just remember walking behind the barn and I was kind of freaking out. I got my phone out of my pocket and I called our neighbor in Kentucky to my dad's farm who was an older gentleman I had helped back in the day do some landscaping work on the side. And that's where I had really learned about the real world to some extent, if you will. He had told me a lot of things. I'd ask him a million and one questions. So I called him and I said, hey, I'm going to come to Nashville. Will you pick me up? And he said, what do you mean? And I told him I want to leave. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. He said, are you really going to leave? And he said, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I said, yes. I said, if I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. And I'm always going to be miserable to some extent. And he said, well, use one of the bedrooms in the house, in his house, until I uh, got to my feet. And so he said, I will pick you up in Nashville if you want to take the Greyhound to Nashville. So I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I went and found our taxi driver. We had this private taxi driver that had brought us from Pennsylvania to Kentucky I found her little minivan at the horse sale. She was sitting inside waiting on everyone. And I said, hey, can you run me over to the hotel? And she said, yes. And so I got in. She took me to the hotel. And I said, you can go back. You don't have to worry about me. And she said, are you just going to stay here? And I said, no, I am going to go get a Greyhound ticket. And you can tell my brother that I'm not coming back with him. And she said, well, you want me to tell your brother that you're not going back to Pennsylvania? Are you going with your dad? What are you doing? I said, no, I'm leaving. And I said, don't ask me any more questions. Just tell my brother I'm not going back with him. And I shut the door and walked away. And so um, I didn't want my clothes that I had. I only had these Amish clothes and suspenders and a hat. And I put my hat in the room and I didn't even grab my suitcase. I don't even remember what I did at the hotel, honestly, but I walked across the street and with the clothes on my back and I had $843 in my pocket. I'll never forget that. It was the last paycheck that I had gotten from the job prior to going to the sill. And I was supposed to give it to my dad, but I hadn't yet. And I said, I'm going to keep this. And so I had $843 in my pocket. And I walked across the road in Lexington, Kentucky from the hotel to this little barber shop because the one thing you still have as an Amish is this bowl cut that I hated, absolutely hated this bowl cut haircut. And so I thought, well, the one way for me to blend in a little bit more would be to get my hairstyle changed. And I walked in, there's this older gentleman there and he said, what can I do for you? And I said, I'd like a haircut. And he said, would you like? And I said, I have no idea. Just make it shorter some way. And so he did, and I just remember sitting there the whole time thinking, what the hell am I doing? What the hell am I doing? Anyway, it was too late at that point in time. I walked out of there and walked down the street a mile or so. There was a J.C. Penney, and I walked into this J.C. Penney, and I went to the clothes rack. I found 
myself a pair of jeans and a button-up shirt of all things. I still got a button-up shirt even though I had one on that my mom had made me. And I bought the shirt and this jeans and I went outside. I called a taxi some way or somehow. Maybe there was one there. I don't really remember. And I had him take me to the Greyhound bus stop. I got to the Greyhound bus stop and I got me a ticket to Nashville and I will never forget the feeling sitting there. I was sitting there and I remember seeing the dust swirl up in whatever they call that, the dust bunny or the little dust swirl that was circling out in the pavement or beside the pavement there was a little dusty area. The window was streaked. I was looking out, and I'll never forget sitting there looking out the streaked window at the dust swirling up and then just blowing away, disappearing. And I remember thinking, that's my life. Everything that I know is no more. Nothing's ever going to be the same. I now have a haircut, which is a big, big no-no. I have a different haircut, meaning I don't have my bowl cut. So now I'm no longer going to fit in the Amish. With what I've done now, I can't just walk back to the hotel and change my mind. I have to go forward with this. But my family is forever going to see me as different. My grandparents, my friends, everyone that I had known up to this moment, to this time, was going to treat me different, was going to see me differently. And I just remember this sense of freedom and fear and just overwhelming emotions. But the idea of living the life that I wanted was bigger and more powerful. That feeling, that emotion was more powerful than anything else I was feeling. And so I got into the, the bus came a little bit later and I climbed up and I just remember walking back to the bus and I was thinking, why is no one staring at me? And then I realized I look like them. I'm like them. And so we fast forward, we get to Nashville. Uh, my buddy comes to pick me up. We go to his place. By the next, that was on a Friday, Saturday morning, I was there. My dad calls the cell phone that I have, which he did not know that I have the day before, nor would he have had the number to it. My brother knew I had it. So it turns out the driver told my brother, Ephraim left. They put two and two together because they had known that I was kind of unhappy being Amish. And so he told my dad what my number was. My dad called me and he said, where are you? And I told him and he said, you're just down the street. And I said, yeah, I was about two miles or so from my parents' house. And he said, well, come home. We have church tomorrow. You can come with us to church and we'll forget about this. And I'll never forget. I remember telling him, dad, I got a haircut. I'll always hear him say, oh, no, because at that moment he knew if I went to church with them, it would be a big deal. Everyone would talk about it. Something as small as that is just goes to show how different your culture is, how different life is. And so I told him I'm not coming home. He was pretty upset. I took a job as a construction in a construction field and I'm Within a month, I had saved up enough of money to rent my own house. And that's just kind of how it all started, just little by little. Built this life that I wanted. 
my parents were not very supportive of it for the first years. Uh, every time I would go home, the first three or four years, they would ask me to stay. They would ask me to come back, this and that. But they did never shun me. They never blocked me. They never told me I wasn't welcome. And so that was a big thing because family is still family at the end of the day. And so there was uh, a lot of things I had to learn that I hope most people never have to experience. But I think in some way, everyone feels the same. You know, I didn't understand the world. I didn't understand how people work. You're very naive growing up in the Amish world. You take every word for what it is. You trust people to a fault um, because they tend to do more so what they say they'll do, I guess. And so I got burned so many times in the real world until I kind of started learning my lesson and realizing that not everyone is the same and people will lie to you and people will take advantage of you and this and that. I struggled in my relationships. I was extremely shy because I always felt like I was different. I was never going to be like anyone else because no one could understand what I came from. I couldn't talk to anyone that would get it. And so I always felt different. I always felt that I was less of because I wasn't like everyone else. Even though I may now look like them, I didn't think anyone could ever relate. So I struggled with relationships. I struggled with dating. I struggled with just being a human for a long time. I, I stayed, I was a, very much of a loner. I didn't go out a whole lot. I had some friends, but... You know, they were just kind of like friends that I could go spend time with if I wanted to. It wasn't like they came to me uh, the first couple of years or invited me to a lot of things or anything like that. I was just kind of that kid that just was there. So I worked. I worked hard. I busted my butt, uh, started a trucking company, started another business. And, you know, with the trials and stuff, as you come, I kind of learned how to live and what life means for me and what I really wanted. And fast forward even more years, and I um, ended up in Nashville, Tennessee. I just felt like I was stuck in this town still, in this smaller town. I didn't feel like it was where I wanted to be. And so I remember making the decision to move to Nashville, Tennessee. It was the biggest town close by, about 45 minutes to an hour away. And I didn't know anyone there except an ex-girlfriend that I had at the time. And so I just moved to Nashville and I was like, my life, I'm going to change my life. And by this time, my parents had learned to, you know, respect my wishes. Uh, I had a pretty good relationship with them for the most part. I had some friends, but I wanted to be in the city. No one understood that. They just could not understand why I would want to live in Nashville, Tennessee. And so I moved to Nashville and I started just going out and just putting myself outside of my comfort zone, outside of what normally would have been boundaries for me of meeting people. And I just went to everything and anything that I could to meet people, to talk to people. And I worked myself outside of this shy little boy who didn't know anything about the world. And I just kept learning and growing. And I went through, uh, lost a company, started another one. And all that to say... It leads us to where I am today, and there's this passion I have for helping entrepreneurs and helping people figure out 
what the life is that they want to live because of my story, not the one that our parents have created for us or designed for us, and maybe not even the one that they understand. And maybe it's a life that they very much discourage to the point that you lose certain things because of you choosing that career or that person or that life that they didn't want for you. And trust me, I've had to go through all of those. And what I've learned is here we are almost, uh, gosh, 12 years later. No, it's more than that. It's about 14 years later. My parents have the utmost respect for me to this day. We have the best relationship we've ever had. They understand the life I've now built for myself and what I've wanted, and they respect it. And it goes to show that if you follow your dreams and you pursue your passions, people will start to see how much it fulfills you and how happy you are, and then they can't help but to support you in it. And that's the one thing I've learned. And so I thought, well, how can I give back? With everything I've learned, with everything I've done, how can I give back? And I wanted to start this podcast because there's so many people, so many of you guys, including me, that are still trying to find my way and still trying to carve this path and find a way to the destination or the goal that we have in mind. We have usually have an idea of where we want to go or how we want to get there. And then life happens. Someone comes in your life and completely reroutes the path. Your career uh, crumbles. You lose your job. Or you have to pivot into something completely different than you could ever have dreamed. And I remember looking at people who had what I wanted or who were up on the stage or on the platform and thinking they must just be special. They got to have something that I don't because I can't seem to get there. No matter how hard I try, there's something that's stopping me. Something's holding me back. And a lot of that I've learned over the years is just mindset. I've had to get rid of things that I believed that weren't true, that weren't serving me. Maybe they're true for someone else, but that doesn't even mean they're true for me. And I remember looking at these people and thinking, I can never get there because they just have something I don't. And then all of a sudden, one day, I realized I was that person. I was that person that was now winning the awards. I was that person that had the dream career that I wanted. I was living the life I had designed for myself. And it kind of just happened because of just putting in the work and dealing with vulnerability, being vulnerable with who I was, being true to myself, even if it meant losing relationships, girlfriends, loved ones that disagreed with me. I had to stay true to myself. And to this day, I have still lost people that in some way or another, I still have a tremendous amount of love for or just care about, but they've chosen to move on because I'm not who they wanted me to be or needed me to be. But I'll never regret staying true to myself because at the end of the day, I'm happy. I feel fulfilled. And happiness is fleeting. It can't even be about happiness because happiness is just a step. And then when you get there, it's you, you decide that happiness is something else and it's just something you can never catch. And I just thought that it has to be more than happiness. I have to be able to be completely satisfied and fulfilled with who I was and what I have. And so 
And I didn't know how to do this. And, you know, I was looking up to these people again who had these things in life that I wanted and I still didn't know how to get there and I felt lost. So I started writing. I started creating my life by journaling. I journal two journals every day. One is my current day, something that I'm proud of myself for, that I did good or something that I need to work on maybe. The other one is what I call an ideal life journal. If I had everything that I wanted, if money was no issue, what would I be doing? Where would I be living? Who would be around me? And what do I do with my daily day? And I started writing these things out and it completely changed the course of my life. That's when everything started happening for me. That's where I went from losing a business to being broke with $150 to my name into building an empire, into building a million dollar company within a year and a half. And it was because I had programmed my mind to a life that wasn't even my reality, but your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference. So anyway, that leads us to today. And I got to thinking, there's got to be people who have felt and struggled the way that I did. Why should they all have to go through the crap I've had to go through? Let's create a show. Let's bring on guests of people who have done things or who are doing things that are great or even just that are making an impact, or even that are just living the lives that they choose to live. And let's interview them on the show. And let's take something, maybe we can get one thing from them that we can relate to that helps us take that one step towards the life that we want. Because we all know we can listen to a motivational podcast or a motivational book or read a motivational book or whatever it is. And there's all this content. And you're over here, and then everything they're saying is is way over there. And you know that that's what you want. But there's so much information, and you're still stuck over here. So let's build a show. Let's create a show that helps us take that first step. And then that next step. And then we hold that step until we get that information for that third step. Instead of backtracking to zero, we take a step and we hold it and we hold it and we hold it and we hold it. Then we take a step and we hold it and we hold it and we'll eventually get to where we want to go. So that's the idea of the show is to bring inspirational people. Some of them are friends of mine. Some of them are people that I don't personally know but admire and have seen their works. And so that's what the ultimate shift is all about. It's about helping us find the truth to ourselves through vulnerability, through the truth, instead of lying to ourselves and living this life by default rather than design. But we really truly can design our life. And the ultimate shift is created with stepping stones and guiding points to design our life. Not that it's going to happen all in one day or all in one week or a month or even a year. But step by step, we can do this together. So that's my commitment to you is to bring you people and stories that will help you believe in yourself and see the value and the truth and who you are into who you really are and your true identity instead of the identity that the world, society, your parents, your friends, or everyone else puts on you because you owe it to yourself to be true to you. So many of us live in this thing, live in this life, and we have these two voices in our heads. 
And one's the little demon voice that likes to tear you down. And the other one is your true self. And your true self is saying, I want this. I want that. And then that little demon voice is saying, you can't have that. And it tears you down and it abuses you with words to the point that you start believing it. And then you shut the other voice off. So you have to start realizing that you are not who you think your friends think you are. You are who you really truly want to be deep down inside without anyone else's opinions stuck to you. You can do whatever it is that you really truly want to do without the approval of anyone else, your friends, your family. It takes a tremendous amount of courage and effort and sacrifice. And I can say that because I've done that. And I don't even think of it as courage as much as as a desire for something more, to be something more than what you were given. So I challenge you to start that journey today. You can reach out to me via the website, theultimateshift.com, ephraimglick.com. My Instagram handle is Ephraim Glick. My Facebook handle is at Ephraim Glick. My Twitter handle is Glick Ephraim. And I want to get to know you and I want to get to know who you are and what your struggles are. And I'm willing to offer just a 30-minute consultation with anyone who reaches out and introduces themselves to the show, to me. And let's just go on this journey together and let's make a difference And let's create a different world than what our reality seems to be like. Because we can all do more. We can all do better. And at the end of the day, it's up to us. No one else is going to come save you. No one else is going to come and take all that hard work away from you. No one else is going to be able to come and and feel what you feel. So let's do it together. Let's learn together. Let's build our empires. Let's build our companies. Let's build our dream lives And let's live our lives by design instead of just falling into this pit of what everyone else wants for us. So that's a little bit about me. And we're going to just dive into the show from here. And if you guys know of anyone you want me to interview, please send them my way. Please shoot me a DM me or shoot me an email or something. Go to the website. uh, Send me a message there. And I'd love to interview people who you think the world could learn from. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you. This would not be possible without people around me that believe in me, that encourage me to do this. And so I'm so very grateful for you today for being here. And I look forward to getting to know you. Have a great day. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up but there's so many things that come up in between and my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal you can follow me on instagram at ephraim glick facebook at ephraim glick twitter at glick ephraim or you can go to the website at ephraimglick.com see you next time